are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and today I have with me one of my two business partners for the past 12 years, uh, one of the best loan officers that I've ever had the opportunity to be around, but um, one of the best business minds that I've also been able to be, be around in. Um, his name is Mike Smalley. Mike, you want to say hi to the, to, to the audience? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on what time you're tuned in and listening. That's uh, always the best thing about a podcast, that they could be tuned into YouTube, watching us at 2 a.m. while eating their Captain Crunch cereal, or uh, it may be 6 a.m. and they're driving in to work uh, on their uh, their morning drive. But, um, Captain Crunch? Captain Crunch, yeah. Oh, well, so so if you've ever... At 2 a.m.? I'm talking about the munchies. I'm talking about I came home from the club and it's like 2 a.m. and I just got to eat something. It's either cinnamon toast crunch. Okay, uh, cinnamon toast crunch, grilled cheese sandwich, or uh, right now my my go-to would be Captain Crunch. But not, nonetheless, um, so you're tuned into the Lone Officer Podcast, and we are in the droves of SARS-2, COVID-19, coronavirus. Call it what you want. Um, it sucks. And we're all making the best of it. We're trying to stay positive and we're socially distancing ourselves. We're quarantining ourselves. Many of us are not leaving the house without having some kind of a um, uh, nose and mouth covering, a mask, if you want to call it that. But you know, I want to bring you on today, Mike, to, to get your insight or to, to help share um, our insight on how coronavirus is going to impact the housing market and how coronavirus is or is going to impact the housing finance or the mortgage arena. Yeah, so I think the, 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 the big answer is it depends on how long this lasts, right? I mean, if you know, it's the 1st of April, um, you know, we're in a, sh- a shutdown pretty much nationwide till the end of the month. If you see, you know, the, 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 the curve flatten and, you know, cases start to decline and, First of May, we're kind of bit getting back to normal. Like that's a much different recovery than if at the end of April they say another 30 days. Um, so it depends on the length of this. But um, I tend to view most things with a positive, you know, glass half full mindset. And um, so I don't think it's going to be as bad as some people. But it depends on the length of time it takes to to get back to normal. I do think the mistakes some people are making is they're comparing the economy today. And they're trying to compare it to the financial crisis of 2008 and 9. And I think this this recession, crisis, whatever you know we want to call it, is going to be much more like the um, recession we had after the dot-com bubble in 2009-11. Um, the 2008 recession was 100% brought on by real estate. You had a massive bubble. Real estate values were overinflated. You had stated income, liar loans, crazy products that people couldn't afford or understood. You had a lot of greed. People thought that, you know, I got to get rich and buy multiple houses, um, which led people to making poor decisions. So the real estate market caused the last recession. And as a result, the real estate market was absolutely annihilated during the last recession. Um, And values went down probably 50% in some areas. I think this is going to be more like 9-11, which is a strong economy going into it. It was almost red hot economy. I mean, yeah, for yeah, the dot com bubble, but we weren't in a recession really. Yeah. Um, but the, it, the economy wasn't as strong as as, as it was uh, March first, you know, back in two thousand one. But it was still strong. But you had a one time completely unexpected event that nobody, uh, other than maybe you know some people in you know 
uh, intelligence community saw, but you know nobody expected it to happen, right? Not in the scale that it did. Um, just like the coronavirus, and just like the coronavirus, if you think back to 9/11, those of us that were around and you know of, uh, 18 or older in, um, in the working world, people were scared. They were scared to travel. They were scared to go to big big venues. You know, we're in Orlando. It's like, do we go to Disney or is there going to be a terrorist attack? You know, I definitely don't want to get an airplane. I remember me, you, and David, our other partner, flew to Milwaukee on September 11, and it was like 2012. It's like 10 or 11 years after, and we were still kind of like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of weird to fly today. And man, I don't know if I'm going to do this because, you know, it could be like anniversary, you know, attack and. Remember that first year was weird. We've flown on 9-11 like three times since then because we have that uh, fall meeting, it seems like, every September that falls around that week. Um, and now it doesn't seem really any different. But, um, so I think this is a lot like 9-11, which is just fear and uncertainty. And just like n nobody knew back then, when was the next terrorist attack going to happen? You know, we had the shoe bomber, then you had anthrax, then you had that DC sniper, and people are panicked and freaking out over what's next. It's a lot like that right now. Nobody really knows, you know, are we safe or not? You know, can I go to the gas station or not? You know, so I think this recession, which we're in one, I mean, that we're going to have negative GDP in the first quarter just by the last two or three weeks of March. And for the most part, we've been calling for a recession for the past two years. We right. just didn't, yeah. yeah, we just didn't know what was going to throw us into the recession. Well, the, the financial crisis was so bad and the economy got hit so, so bad that coming out of that, uh, until last Friday, it was like 112 weeks in a row, uh, or 112 months in a row, I'm sorry, it was like 11 years of positive jobs reports on a monthly basis. Maybe it was nine years. Uh, but last Friday was the first negative jobs report since probably 2008 or nine. So we've had, and you hear this on TV, you know, we've had the longest um, non-wartime um, economic expansion in the country's history. Yeah, and it was slow. I mean, it was a, a turtle speed expansion, but it was still an expansion. Yeah, the first yep. couple of years, you know, 10, 11, 12, 13 was expansion, but at a slow pace. Um, in the last six years, is when it's kind of all started, you know, booming again. But um, so we were due for a recession just because everything's cyclical, just like with in our business, interest rates are going to go up and down. It's just a matter of when and to what degree. We were going to have a recession. Last year, some people were thinking fourth quarter this year. The economy was still strong. Some people were thinking maybe the first quarter of 2021. But in the next 18 months, we were going to have one. And I think when people hear the word recession, because the last one was so bad, they think like almost like depression. Where all of recession means is you've had two quarters in a row of negative GDP. Correct. And, and then, it's just a slowdown. Well, in, in three of the past four recessions, housing has gone up in value. Correct. With, with one exception, which is the recession that was caused by housing, right? right? So 2007, 2008 was caused, was caused by housing. But other than that, and it's housing that typically pulls you out of a recession. Right. Because housing is such a large percentage of the overall economy. Well, it stimulates the economy because people buy a home. When they buy a home, that means people get commission. That means the title company gets gets business. That means that Home Depot gets business because you're buying the furniture store gets business. So... Housing stimulates a lot of like ancillary businesses, which is a even bigger percentage of the economy. Yeah, I buy a house and I need to go get furniture for that house and I need to have that house painted the colors I like it. And yeah, so there's a painter who now has a job, there's a flooring company who now has a job, and Best Buy and Home Depot are all going to get my business. Yeah, 
cable company. He's got a, you know, DirecTV has a new account. Yeah. So, so are, are, would you say, and, and it's so hard because we are in unprecedented times, right? So we've never, ever experienced anything like this in our lifetimes in the world as we know it, right? I mean, I think they're trying to go back and they're trying to, to learn from and correlate what we're experiencing to the, the Spanish flu of, was it 1918? Okay. Well, our world, no, no, I'm pretty sure no one listening, uh, their grandparents probably weren't even born. How about that? So their grandparents weren't, weren't, weren't even born. So we, and, and, and it's so, so long ago, we can't really look at it as we correlate the, um, the, the, the fallout to the economy because our economy is way different than it was 100 years ago. So when, when we're looking at things, like the first question, and I'm sure you've been getting these phone calls and I've been getting these phone calls, is, oh, my God, is my, my house going to depreciate in value? Is my house going to plummet in value? How are you answering? I, I know how, I, how I've been answering those but I'm curious, how have you been answering those questions when, when they come your way? Yeah, so if you look at the last crash, um, what caused it uh, declining home values was two things. So typically, unemployment can be an indicator that leads to declining home values because if someone is unemployed, they either can't pay their mortgage, um, which means they might default and there might be foreclosures, which means there's more inventory and more inventory of homes means the price is going to go down just, you know, law of supply and demand. Um, I don't worry as much about that now because heading into the crash of 2008, we were at about an eight-month supply of inventory nationwide. Right now, we're about a three-month supply. And, and healthy is deemed about six-month supply, right? Correct. Yep. Yeah, about two quarters. So we were already unhealthy, meaning we were, we were skewed out of market with not enough homes right. that were available for sale on the market. That just tells me lack of inventory because there can't be a lot of buyers making offers on houses right now, at least not as many as there typically are. So even with the whole coronavirus shelter in place, um, essential workers only, which real estate technically is one, they still have multiple offers on a house, which kind of blew my mind when I heard that yesterday. That's good to hear, actually. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, yeah, it's a positive. So, you know, the, the, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to determine what our home value is going to do until we know when we're going to be out of this because... Um, so I think there's three things that have to happen to stabilize the, the market, okay? So the first is the Fed, the second was the government, and the third is kind of health. So um, as soon as this crash happened, you saw a big drop in interest rates, and that happened because the stock market sold off. And typically, when money comes out of stocks because the market's poor, people put money in a safe investment like bonds, and rates come down. So immediately we had rates come down, um, which is when we started getting really busy. Very quickly thereafter, the mortgage market, and this could be a whole other show of what's happening in the secondary mortgage market. It's crazy. It is, it is literally, I was trying to explain to Coleman, the producer of the show, earlier this morning, that like, like red means black and up means down and left means right. And um, that's, yeah, you're right. That's a whole separate show, but that, that would be geeking out for most people who, who tune in. So we'll, we'll have to maybe even launch a different podcast yeah, for that so one. interest rates came down. Like the, the market was behaving you know, normally. The stock market sold off. Interest rates came down. Then for about two weeks, the market was behaving completely abnormally for many, many technical reasons. And rates went from upper threes to 3.1, all the way up to four and a quarter. And they went from 3.1 to four and a quarter, like in, I don't know, three to four or five business days. Um, 
at the same time the stock market was selling out. There was a day when the stock market was down 2,500 points and interest rates went up a quarter of a percent, which just makes no sense whatsoever. Because typically it's the inverse, right? Correct. If the stock market goes down, rates go down. But the stock market went down and rates went up, which um, just th that showed how um, unhealthy the market was. So about three weeks or so ago now, the Federal Reserve stepped in and announced something called QE or quantitative easing, which basically means they're buying assets. Uh, in this case, the assets were mortgage bonds or treasury bonds. And that worked a little bit, but not all the way. Then they announced what everybody in the media is calling QE infinity, which essentially means the Fed said, we're going to do whatever it takes to, to stabilize the interest rate environment. So after the Fed announced QE infinity, and then they actually backed off a little bit last week because it got a little too aggressive, and I think they're probably at the right pace now. The mortgage market somewhat has stabilized as far as what are interest rates doing. So the rate environment has stabilized. The second thing that, that we needed to stabilize things was Congress had to pass that relief bill. Um, and they had to, it had to do multiple things. It had to have increased unemployment for consumers, which it did. It had, had a, the ability for not only big businesses, but small businesses to get loans to, you know, kind of help survive and, you know, cover their obligations, not just payroll, but just, you know, to pay the bills. So that was passed. Um, so, you know, if you look at someone losing their job um, and they're on unemployment, because of, of extending unemployment and the $1,200 or so, plus 500 per kid, uh, you know, whole scenario, people should have some money coming in over the next 30, 60 year longer, you know, period of time to at least, certainly not going to replace an income, but at least help. You know, yeah, it's a Band-Aid. It's, it's a Band-Aid uh, to, to help tie you over right. until you can get back to work. Yeah, it's, I mean, we're tourniqueting at work, you know. So the bond market and the mortgage market and the insurance environment has stabilized a little bit. As these checks start coming in, even people who are impacted by um, job loss or furlough will at least start to have some money coming in. Um, I, think, I think the reason why you've seen unemployment claims hit record highs the last two weeks is because people knew that that bill was going to pass and they could get quicker access to cash. Um, I think a lot of companies did the right thing by actually laying people off because most people know this, but not all, but if you're still working and you're getting less hours, you can't get unemployment. So you have to be like laid off and let go. And it can't be you quitting. You have to be fired or, or laid off to get unemployment. Yeah, because if I'm making even 25 bucks an hour, but I'm only working 25 hours a week versus 40 to 45 hours a week, I'm making less money than I could get via the, the, the stimulus package. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. yeah. So now that, that that's passed, things should start to stabilize a little bit. I don't think, you know, there's no way for it to go perfectly. And you see some people complaining about the whole small business loan process and is that easier? But I mean, you know, I'm not one to tend to like, you know, say how great the government's doing it stuff because usually they're not efficient. But I mean, you know, you got to look at how many people are applying for it. It's going to take some time. But that should stabilize things a little bit. So you got the Fed, you have Congress passed a bill to stabilize things. The next thing that will give us some stability is just having an end in sight. And I think that's the only thing we don't have right now is an end in sight. So customers that we've worked with that have had their jobs furloughed, like Disney's a perfect example here, you know, the when am I coming back to work date is TBD. Um, you know, my kids on my travel baseball team, hey coach, when are we gonna start practicing again? You know, TBD. TBD. You know, my team. When do we get to come to the office again? TBD. And so I think when that TBD is a date, which I think that date will be different in different cities and states throughout the country, but, you know, as things get back to normal and this curve, you know, tends to kind of turn the other way and we get, we get on the other side of this, you know, that'll stabilize things. So 
the faster that happens, the less impact that has. Um, but I don't think housing is going to have the crash like it did after the bubble because housing didn't lead us into it. And I feel like Congress has a better handle on how to give people some cash to continue paying their bills uh, in the interim so you shouldn't see a rash of foreclosures. The, the next topic is the forbearance thing that's been talked about, which and we can talk about that if you want to today, but that's a whole big convoluted subject. But the end result is you'll probably have fewer foreclosures, at least you know immediately. Like There's probably still going to be some people that lose their homes because they lose their jobs and can't afford it. But some of the things that Congress has done and the forbearance packages that they're having lenders put in place, it, it still might be the same end result. Someone still might lose their house if they don't get back to work anytime soon. But if that's delayed and not just a big run of them at one time, then that'll stabilize prices too. So. But two, two comments on the uh, foreclosure slash forbearance, and they're two separate. But my comment on the foreclosures is the one good thing we have going into 2020 versus 2008 is we are at a record high equity, meaning people are sitting on piles of cash in their home. Before, when we were doing 100% liar loans, people didn't have any equity. They had no no skin in the game. They, they only had the option of walking away from their house because the option of selling something that you're upside down on is, is, is impossible. Yeah, if I, if, I, if I have equity in my house, if I pay $200,000 for my house and now it's worth two fifty, and I'm sitting on you know 75,000 in equity, if I lose my job, worst case scenario, I can sell it, take the cash out, and you know I live on that cash for a little while. Where if I if I owed two fifty and it was worth two twenty five, then you couldn't do anything. So we we have that going for us. And then on the subject of forbearance, because we could probably do a whole entire show on on forbearance, um, I'm just going to throw out these three caveats. A, please understand this is for the listeners. Forbearance is for people who truly need it. Who truly this is a last resort. I cannot afford groceries or I cannot keep my electricity on unless I can um, forbear my payment. And understand that forbearance is not forgiveness. Forbearance is all you're doing is delaying the money that you do owe. And it's a little bit of a buyer beware. So if you are a homeowner or even a renter, because I know there's certain certain um, uh, aspects where you can forbear your rent payments, please know that at the end of the day, the person you owe, in this case, let's call it your mortgage servicer, they're going to want and need their money. And and certain servicers are going to require their money to be repaid to them over a 12-month period of time. Certain servicers would require the, the a lump sum, well, hopefully a lump sum when you sell or pay off the mortgage in 25 years or seven years or three years. But some, I believe, have the right to ask it on month seven. So you you go six months you're not making your mortgage payment of roughly fifteen hundred a month. That's nine grand that you didn't have to pay. That's great. You owe twenty. You owe ten thousand five hundred a month seven. Yeah, yeah. You you owe you owe month seven's payment plus the six months that you didn't pay. So I think that's just a little bit of a of a of a heads up. Buyer beware. Look, if you need it, please take it. Right. If you need forbearance, please take it. But please know it's also there for last resort, and you will owe the money. Well, you made a good point. If you can make your mortgage payment, make your mortgage payment because there's always going to be some type of impact, whether that's um, accrued interest or cash due or hit on your credit. Anytime you go into forbearance, there's going to be some type of impact. So if you can make your payment, make your payment. If it's between groceries and mortgage payment, then obviously you know you got to buy the groceries first. Well, here, yeah, here's well, sorry to cut you off, but a great example would be right now, 
in your personal pipeline, you are helping dozens of clients every single month save a couple hundred dollars a month in their mortgage payment. You're helping them shave ten, twenty thousand dollars off of what they're going to owe over a lifetime. They're shaving five to ten years off of how long it's going to take them to pay off their mortgage because you're doing refinances, right? Yeah. Because one of the the um, effects of the economic impact of COVID-19 and us going into a recession is mortgage rates drop from four and a half percent down to three and a half, maybe all the way down to 3%. And, and there's ways that, that consumers can take advantage of this. But if I was in forbearance or I'm currently in forbearance, am I going to be able to take advantage of a refinance? Yeah, we think no. Yeah. Um, Because to refinance, you have to have a clean payment history for the last 12 months. And if you're in forbearance, you don't have that. And before someone goes into forbearance, they just need to call their lender. Don't don't watch the news and hear, I don't have to make a payment for six months, and just stop it. Yeah, yeah don't log on to Facebook. Right. Don't <laughs> pick up the phone and call the 800 number, and don't just talk to the person who answers. Ask for a supervisor. Like, you know, get some documentation. Get something in writing before you do it so you know what you're actually getting into. Because different lenders will have different perspectives on what they can offer or will offer and some ideally they say hey we're going to put these six payments on the end of your loan and we're basically hitting pause but they could say these six payments are due in month seven well and and, and here's here's a, a key thing for the audience to understand is just because fannie mae and freddie mac allow it just because hud or jenny mae allows it doesn't mean the servicer has to do it one particular way and, and that's where your point of make sure you ask all the right questions. You pick up the phone, you call. If you don't like the answers that you're getting from the customer service rep or they're not clear, ask for a supervisor and press them to make sure you understand what impact this will have on you in terms of when you owe that money back. Like that would be the one big thing on forbearance. Um, so we, we kind of went down that rabbit hole and I'm, I'm glad we did because it is a topic that people are going to have questions on. But back on the, the future outlook, um, one thing that I wanted to tag on, um, uh, tag along with you is, yeah, if we're out of this thing by like mid-May, like we're, we're kids are back to school, we're finishing up the school year, by, by June we're going to the movies, this should be a blip on our radar. Like we, we had a strong enough economy coming into the year. Um, Lawrence Yoon, who is the, um, did I say that right? Lawrence Yoon, right? Lawrence Yoon is the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors. And um, he's never been a, a propagandist, never been one that is, um, you know, yes, he works for the National Association of Realtors. So they're, they're obviously pro-housing, but he's still an economist. And he's calling for nationally, at least, home values to be the same at the end of the year as they were at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I could see that. If we get out of this in, you know, it's in April, sometime in May, we're getting back to normal. I would expect that to happen because the demand will keep values higher because we're still at a super wide inventory market. I think the listing activity might slow down because people might be uncomfortable to list their house in May and have people come in the house, you know. That might take longer than buyers to be comfortable seeing property. So. You still might have a light inventory market even as we get out of this, which is something that always drives prices higher. So I don't think we're going to see prices going up. But when affordability has just gone down, I mean, with with mortgage rates dropping a full one percent over the past six weeks or five weeks, we we've seen affordability yeah, well, that's, drastically that's increase. Factor. So during leading up to the crash of two thousand eight, the average median income 
to buy a median priced house in your market, so nationwide, you had to make 25, like 25% of the median income is what was required to, to buy the median priced home in that area based on you know income and mortgage payments. Right now, you only have to make 14% of the median income to buy a median priced home. And that's kind of a national statistic, different in different markets, but I mean, you're talking, you know. So basically, two, two months ago, 25% of my pay went towards the- In 2008. In, in 2008, oh, in 2008, okay. 25% yeah, of my pay in 2008, I did, that's what it would cost to buy the median priced home. Okay. Today it's 14%. Wow. So affordability is, I mean, we're significantly more affordable than we were in 2008. Part of that's because, you know, we have, we, we've seen home values go up, but income increases have, have paced with that. And part of that's interest rates. I mean, before the crash, interest rates were about 6.5%. That's before, yeah, but before the crash of 2008. Correct. Yep. And today we're locking in clients here at Waterstone Mortgage at 35 pretty Yep. No, it's, um, and I think that, but the one big unknown is, is there's two. It's a, if we're not out of this by, by mid May, early June, or, you know, if it comes back, but right now, most, most economists, right? Most like, these are the, the smartest of the smart people. These are the subject matter experts, people we should be listening to. Not our next door neighbor, by the way, who likes to post stuff on social media, but, but the true, you know, four out of five dentists, uh, 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 recommend Crest. So I brush my teeth with Crest. Yeah. Four to five economists say X, Y, and Z. Well, what they're currently saying is that, yes, we are going to see this massive kick to the gut when it comes to unemployment, but it's a temporary. It's, it's, it's not a, a systematic collapse because of bad decisions being made by companies. It's, Hey, we were all told to go sit inside for the next six or eight weeks and not to leave our house, which makes it hard to go spend money and, and, and be patrons to certain businesses. So therefore, those businesses had to put their employee, employees on hold, right, on furlough. But the minute we get back to normal, they're going to need those employees, and they're going to want to be offering their services, and there's still going to be a plethora of people wanting their services. So hopefully this is nothing more than a pause button, and hopefully we, we all – practice social distancing as recommended and wear our face mask and allow our uh, first responders to do their job and know that we'll still be here at Waterstone Mortgage and throughout other uh, uh, service-related businesses uh, offering services to people so we can do, do our job and together we can all get through this. Um, Mike, if, if anyone listening has any questions pertaining to something that, that you had uh, had mentioned, brought up, or or just in 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 uh, as it pertains to real estate or their home loan, how would they get a hold of you? Well, uh, they could probably just go through the Loan Officer Podcast Facebook page. There you go. Okay. Just reaches through there because that that message will get to all of us. And if you have questions about forbearance, obviously you're happy, you know you can call us at Waterstone Mortgage and we can help. Even if we didn't originate your loan, uh, we can help steer you in the right direction. We're probably then going to recommend after that to call your servicer directly. But if you need us to you know, help translate or give you some advice, we're happy to do that. Heck, sometimes you just need help finding the phone number uh, on on your statement. Yeah, send us your statement. And, and heck, if you send us our, uh, your statement, we may even give you a free mortgage review to let you know if a refinance makes sense for you or not. Um, but look, this is we, we're in uncharted territory. Um, the odds are forever in our favor. Like thing, Things are looking up. Uh, we, we are going to, obviously we're feeling the economic, um, impact right now, but most economists are, um, if you think of the, the Nike swoosh or a, a hockey stick, 
um, that's what they're predicting our recovery to, to, to look like. So if you start at the, the bottom of, of, of a hockey stick, you see it jumps down pretty quickly, and then it goes on a nice steady incline of, of recovery. And um, that's what's being predicted. Uh, all, all should be good, and especially here in Central Florida where um, we had one of the best economies and, and still have one of the best economies in the nation. And uh, we are in a housing market that we need inventory. So any blip in, uh, in sales will only help us come to a more healthy real estate market. And we're going to rely on real estate to do what it typically does in a time of recession, which is pull us out. Um, well, that's it. That's all we have today for uh, the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my special guest, Mike Smalley. Mike, thanks for stopping by. Audience, thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on the flip side of this COVID-19 crisis. Deuces.